0: welcome to game brain a board game podcast about our gaming group i'm your host tom donnelly maddie is fanboying hard over perseverance and is currently unavailable to discuss anything else this is round eight turn one and I've i'm got- right here you're right oh well that's because <laughs> it, when it is turn one it doesn't even
1: make any sense this
0: time. when it when it's turn one we have a brief moment where we try to get together with the whole gang so hey, hey everybody Hello,
2: Hi. everybody.
0: Hi. How y'all doing?
3: Hi. I'm excited. Uh, my first time doing one of these. I'm like a C minus. Is this right? Is that right? <laughs> you didn't do it the last time. You were out of town, weren't you? Uh, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I. I had some s- sort of conflict? And since I, I think I'm the newest, newest member of this brood, this is my first time getting to be at the big conclave or whatever. Well,
1: well, welcome,
0: Ben.
4: Welcome. Thank you? Room welcome.
0: Glad to have you here. All right, I'm gonna go around the horn ask everybody to, to, to give us just the one minute of how they are and what's going on in their lives. Elder, we'll start with you. You're in the upper left on my corner.
2: Oh, goodness. Um, I'm hanging Elder in there. Elder passes. I'm we'll probably- move on to <laughs> – No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging in there still playing, uh, you know, games online. Uh, yeah, we got that Perseverance game, um, which is great. Uh, Tekenu uh, is awesome. I know you're going to love that when you get to play
0: it if you haven't played it already. That's the game we're reviewing this week, so I definitely have.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Pretty awesome. Uh, what else? Uh, I did finish uh, the mod uh, for New Amsterdam on TTS. Woo! Uh, just have to figure out how to make it accessible to everybody.
0: That's great. Uh, uh, do you want to review that this, uh, the, this, uh, this round?
2: Because... I think so. I think so. As long as I can get it working so that people can play it so that we can all get in there that, that i think that would be my choice yeah
5: i think that's amazing a baby there's a baby in the background there, there, there is, is there yeah. uh,
0: yeah, is a baby it's not it's not elders we'll, we'll get to that why don't we get to that right now joni joni,
1: <laughs> joni how, are, how are you doing <laughs> Thanks,
0: joni? joni how are things you seem Joni's to be playing a, great are you playing a game with daddy is it is it give yes. me my food it's
1: give me my cucumber and stuff waving it in front of me. Um, <laughs> this is Matt. I'm good. I'm there. I'm on video feeding my daughter Joni right now while Rachel puts our other child down for a nap. Um, oh, so it's a video feed. Uh, uh, yes. uh <laughs> Wow. Uh, <laughs> everything's <laughs> good. Um, yeah, I, uh, Elder had a gave me a great teach of, uh, Perseverance Castaway Chronicles, uh, story one the other day. And I, it was my, it was my most fun I've ever had playing like on tabletop simulator. And cause also elders like a tabletop simulator guru. And like, yeah, I, he was able to answer all my questions about like how to actually like manipulate all the things. Um, but it was really fun and I'm really excited to play it again. I I love Mind Clash so much and I I feel like they uh they got another one here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Jake, what about you? How are you doing these days?
3: I'm good. Not a lot
0: to say honestly, just
3: rocking the dad thing, going in the pool a lot with my kid. He's learned to swim this summer so it makes it a
0: lot more fun and than- Do you have your own pool or is your area pool open? Mm-hmm.
3: It's, yeah, it's like a pool for all the different, uh, you know,
0: houses in our community, and we all
3: share it, and it's open, and we're kind of the only ones that use it, because most of the people that live in my little area are all super old. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's like us and one other family
0: who's got a kid, and it's it's been fun. Nice. Yeah, Joni. Go, Joni. You-, <laughs> you tell us, Joni. Tell us the truth. What about you, Ben? How are you doing these days? Uh, Yeah. I have to tell you, I'm I, I'm
3: loving quarantine. I, I love it here. I, I was built for this. This is just like the best. I stay home I, hate all people day. I don't go out. Like I went out, I got a croissant the other day and that was like the biggest thing I had I've done in like three months. I love it. Uh I'm you know, I, I work from home anyway, so this has not been that much of a transition for me. And I've been really enjoying playing all these online games. Uh, I've been playing with a bunch of you guys, I've been playing with some of my other friends, um, it's been really great to revisit a lot of these a lot of these games. And I think over the past eight weeks during this turn, I mean, in the beginning, there was a lot of smartphone ink that we were playing, which mm-hmm. was so much fun. And then recently, just uh, last night, uh, some of us, we played The Cost, which is a new game coming out, which is really fast. I'm excited for that. Really excited to, to dive into that some more. It was really cool. Um, and, um, and I have to, by the way, I have to give a major thanks to Jennifer for introducing me to 18 Chesapeake, which I've been obsessed with. I bought it, and I have now introduced it to about eight other people uh, from my <laughs> other friends. Uh, some who are fine. Very, you have other friends. Uh,
0: Stop bragging.
3: <laughs> I have friends, guys. Okay, that's really what I wanted to say, guys. I have friends, um, <laughs> but I'm like obsessed with it. And now I've I've taken the pill, and I think I'm I'm now sliding down the 18XX.
0: Awesome, path. awesome. We'll get yeah. to Jennifer and Train in a minute, but right now let's go to Paul. Paul, how you doing?
2: Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Like, you know, uh, I'm surviving the quarantine. Uh, I've imposed a moratorium on desserts which expires uh, in 4 days. So, I've been fantasizing about all the desserts I'll be eating. You uh, you're posting so...
0: them on Facebook every day. <laughs> yeah, you it's, make uh, me so uh, long aggravated. Yeah, it's dude.
2: how I'm getting through. I'm I'm, I'm white knuckling it and <laughs> I I'm I won't say I'm getting through with grace, but I'm getting through it. Uh <laughs> the What's going to be, be the
3: first dessert, dessert yeah. you're going to have?
2: I think it, it's going to be a side card donut. I think that's what uh, I have in mind. If you don't think so, Paul knows
0: the first five desserts he's going to have in what order, you're crazy. <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: yeah. uh, and and uh, I play. You know, I'm playing online. Uh, played the cost with Ben yesterday, uh, and I uh, had a great time. Uh, I was. Unsurprised that everyone thought I was going to burn down the world, and I was surprised that I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, the person who burned the world down the most was me, actually. That was weird. That was weird. Yeah. Dimitri, how are you doing these days? I'm
1: going I'm to well, interrupt for one second. Oh, go ahead. Because we have um, a very exciting COVID announcement here. I am, I am negative for the coronavirus. I just got the email right now. Woo! Wow. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't think I had it, but about four nights ago, I had what turned out to be really bad food poisoning. But at the time, I didn't know that. I was just throwing mm. up and had chills. And oh, so, oh my God. Uh, but Yes. Dude, wow. just, good. Uh,
0: thank good. Thank just goodness, for anybody you're okay.
1: who's listening to this podcast in like five years, like, just know that like this is very of the moment.
0: Mm. So, yes, yeah. yeah, it's a
1: time capsule, if you will. If, God, if you I'm think so if you think in five years, no together. one's going
0: to remember what was going on this year. It, this is this is going to be one of those one of those defining years. People are going to be talking yeah. about this for <laughs> a long, long time. Talking about and, game
5: brain in 2020. Well, talking
0: yes. about how, how how brave all of us were to to face <laughs> to just face just, this with, face of, with it's such to a plague. Sorry, <laughs> to, sorry. <laughs> Dimitri, what you what you up to?
1: Well, when I was four years old, uh, I didn't have any friends. Didn't go anywhere. Refused oh to eat anything but mashed potatoes and bologna, uh, and wouldn't even go to the movies because I read the "in case of fire" sign and thought there'd be a fire. So that was training for my life now. So I'm probably doing better than everybody else.
0: So <laughs> so still no friends, still not going to the movies.
1: Okay. No friends, <laughs> no Bloody. movies, no exotic restaurant meals. Just, just cards 24-7.
0: That is wonderful. Jesse is not with us. Um, we understand that he's playing tell, a video tell us game what right Jesse
1: now. He's doing right now. I believe he's playing. He's playing, playing, vi- playing Ghosts of Su- of Tsushima, it's an amazing
0: <laughs> game. Instead of being on the podcast with us. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, everyone makes their choices. Um, and then, last but not least, we have the two people that are the co-hosts with me for this episode. This episode <sighs> is the Game Pioneer. Jennifer, how you doing?
4: I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. Um, on my I guess agenda this week, I guess we're going to play Talwinton Suyu, the Inca Empire. yeah you had mentioned. Um, and on Friday, the Before you play channel, which is Monique and her husband Sabine. I'm going to be uh, borrowing pendulum from them.
0: Ooh, ooh!
4: Yeah, and so Bruce and I will check it
0: out. Dude, I want to hear about that. That sounds exciting. Yeah. That's really great. That's really great. Yeah,
4: yeah I, I, I do have great friends. All of you guys, great friends.
0: That's so sweet. And then we also have a, a joining Jennifer. This is Jennifer's episode. And also joining Jennifer is the game designer, Trey. How are you doing these days?
5: I'm I'm still recovering from last night's game of The Cost, mm. which I found out that I am bad at asbestos.
0: <laughs> but isn't that a good thing to be bad at asbestos?
5: That's what I'm telling myself.
0: This morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is the man.
1: Costa Lacerda game, or is it? I feel like it's a, des- a well-known designer.
0: Nope, no, yeah, I, no. I think it's like a new, new designer. It's a
4: well-known publisher. Oh, Those okay. games have been up and down.
0: Uh yeah, uh, so, so far after one play, I got to say I find it very interesting. It's got it's got a lot of um it's got a lot of Age of Steam feels in terms of there being a it, it being a very tough economic game where you're forced into hard decisions constantly. And, uh, it, it, listen, our topic, we're reviewing this, this week the 2020 release of Tekenu, Obelisk of the Sun, by Daniel Toschini and David Turksey. Um, but we're also going to be talking about PvP. We're going to be talking about player versus player. It used to be everywhere. It used to be in all of the hobby games. But times have changed. What have we lost and what have we gained? And I will tell you, cost the cost has got a pretty strong PvP presence, wouldn't you guys say? Awesome. Yeah,
3: yeah yes. uh, it was it was yeah. pretty intense.
0: Yeah, Ben Ben stabbed. Uh, Trey in the kidney in the first action uh, of the first round. As someone who felt <laughs> wound.
1: someone Trey talks
0: about how he was bad at
3: asbestos, he certainly he literally destroyed an entire nation. So let's not forget that. And I was the victim. Small I big. was the victim. Small
0: he big. did. He did. We we there were four nations. I think the game is sort of designed for at least two or more to go down, and only one of them went down, and it went down at the hands of
3: Trey. Well, one was one was on the verge. Technically, what was on? I got that
5: nation to close do down the use of yes. their bestest market. Okay, yes. do
4: you think it's any good for two players?
5: I don't know. Uh, ben, what do you think? Ben,
3: you played it more than the rest know. of us. Don't know. Hard, hard to say if it's good for two players. There are a lot of like uh, interdependent systems, but it'd be interesting to try it out. Okay.
0: Well, listen, everybody, I'm so happy to see everybody alive, everybody well. I'm, I'm glad that you're. Oh look at Joni. Um uh yeah, Alfred's not on either, I should say, that uh that he he didn't uh didn't respond in time either. But listen, we have a big, big group of uh, game brainers here, so this is this is a pretty good turnout. Um it's it's always great in these uncertain times to have people sharing stories of the things that they're doing rather than the 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 loved ones that they've lost it's a it's a blessing that we're all still around still here and that everybody seems to be safe Uh, i hope that everybody stays safe and i look forward to a great round we don't have a topic for this round i think until the uh, the pandemic is over i want everybody to just choose something they want to talk about and not be constrained by, by anything else.
5: As you wish is the theme. As, oh, we sorry. Agreed. As you wish
0: is the theme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Princess Bride, as you Would wish. Which you shout <laughs> as you roll down a hill. Is the theme, as we know that. Yes. So, bye, guys. It's Bye, by Joni. <laughs> and um, <laughs> for those listening to the podcast, we're going to be back in just one second with Jennifer and Trey. Thank you so much. Bye, bye, nice bye everybody.
2: Bye. 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 bye, everyone.
1: Bye-bye.
0: And we're back. We've already sort of said hi to everybody. Should we just get into it? Should we get into this week's game night? I'm ready sure. for game night. Here we go. Game night. All right, we're going to start with Jennifer because I think I know everything that you've played this week. Jennifer, how many, how many times have you played Tekkenu this week? Three. Only three this week? Wait, how many times have you played it all total?
4: Fifteen.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> you have played a game that is not even released yet. Fifteen times. That's insane. Did, have you played anything else in the, in the last week? Yes. What, are you, what have the you The
4: other game that wasn't re- hasn't been released, Taiwan Tensuyu, the Inca Empire.
0: Taiwan Tensyu, yes, that, that's, the, that's the other game that is being released. There's a, sort of a package deal in terms of the release. Uh, one of them is coming out next week, and uh, the, the Taiwan Tensinyu is not coming out until the fall, correct?
4: Right, October 22nd. And mm-hmm. I was um, so fortunate that Boarding and Geist Dice Games gave me a link to the Tabletopia setup for both games
0: that's awesome that's awesome so so uh, we'll be talking about tech and you a, a lot today because that's our game review uh, but but what what are your uh, what, what's your gut reaction to the second game
4: I really like it I I think it has some really cool choices in it um, it's a hard teach I will say okay. that because there's a lot of little things it's not particularly fiddly mm-hmm. as far as pieces but there's a lot of little things that you want to bring together and you know i'm really looking forward to playing it with experienced players Mm -hmm. and you know we can see if we can get any of that pvp going on
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right all right that sounds good yeah there are some games that are hard to teach but once you understand the game they're fairly easy to play and understand it's a, it's an odd thing, right? Usually, hard teach and hard play tend to go right. hand in hand to some degree, but
4: right. Well, you know, On Mars does that as well. It's a hard teach, but you get it as soon as you get it. You're like, okay, so over here we do this, over there we do that, right?
0: I'm I'm going to conservatively say that it wasn't until my fifth play of On Mars that I felt like I got it. <laughs>
4: Well, some people are slower than others.
0: I, I, I I've definitely been accused of that, and I got I got a cop that to thing. it.
5: She's she's talking about me. Uh, <laughs> actually, well, I'm, I'm the do. one that skimmed off. I'm the one that skimmed off the Mars atmosphere after that first play. <laughs> and I'm still somewhere between Saturn and Jupiter. Oh man! Turn.
0: Trey, what have you played this ah. week?
5: Um, I got in a game of uh, Teotihuacan. Oh. which is, you know, relevant to our uh, Tekenu discussion, and also got in a game of Lagrange, both of those on uh, Board Game Arena. And yeah. uh, those are both really great games, and the implementation on Board Game Arena is very good. That's awesome
0: that 's awesome, I feel like i 've been playing less games than everybody uh, it 's been uh, kind of busy on the on the home front and all that sort of stuff um, my My wife is uh, going to be teaching full time this fall, uh, which is a really really interesting time to go from a, uh, a a sub to a full teacher when things are so up in the air so uh, we've been uh, sort of the whole family has been helping her. You know, put together teaching materials and planning both virtual teaching and eventual in person teaching and getting all that ready for her, which has been exciting. Uh, so for me, I played Tekken You, I played Teach You, and I played a game of Imperial Struggle. So that was that was my week. Um, I, I love all three of those games. So uh, it was a fine week for me, even though it was a little light on the gameplay.
5: You've, you've been very busy, Tom. Don't you, don't you have some professional news? Um, Do wanna... Well, I. Are you talking about the movie or the book or the...
4: The book! The book! The book! Oh, no, it's really the theater play that we hadn't heard about,
0: right? (laughs) You you laugh, but I do, actually. (laughs) There is something. (laughs) There there really is. Um, So, okay, since Jennifer mentioned this, I'll just bring it up. There's this... I'm developing a a television series with my writing partner, Josh Oppenheimer, uh, that is sort of uh, a... I guess you could call it This Is Us, but centered around a deaf family. Uh, Josh's wife is deaf. One of his daughters has cochlear implants. Uh, He's got cousins. He's got uh, all sorts of relatives. He's sort of tied into the deaf community. Um, and the people that we're doing this with are major, major. Produ- they produce the Academy Awards several times, and they produce Broadway plays. And I happen to have a Broadway <laughs> musical idea that I'm going to be talking to them about in the next little bit. But that's all. That's all beside the point. Uh, what Trey is bringing up is the fact that uh, I've outed myself on my on my Facebook uh, channel that uh, my book is is coming out. It's. It, listen. We're still. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to give a, a specific date yet because uh, the the amount of steps to go through in order to release a book properly is is vast. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that within two months to uh, to have my, my my book on on Amazon and available for purchase, and I'm very excited about it. And I think I mentioned last week that it really is sort of uh, I'm I'm gamifying the process of making this happen. I'm sort of. Tr- I'm using it as a. You know, I've I've got uh, worker placement. I've got resource management. <laughs> I've got all all kinds of of things going on that I'm trying to that, that I'm trying to uh, to to juggle in order to do this. And I don't know. I don't know. Uh, when I learn a new game, it fires my brain in a really really strong and profound way, and I get very excited. I'm feeling the same sort of thing about trying to publish a book which I've never ever done before. I, I'm, I'm feeling that same kind of excitement of the new, ooh, can we try this and um, I, I don't know, I, I feel like my gameplay over the years has helped me to tackle new experiences from a place of wonder as opposed to a place of fear and that feels really good. So, there you Well,
4: go. you know, one thing that particularly for me mm-hmm. is that Losing isn't that big of big of a deal,
0: yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. You've it, already hit the uh, family growth spot.
0: <laughs> yeah, we <we're> both <laughs> have. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. If the yeah if this book launch fails, I'm um, I'm out some I'm out some money and some time. That's it, right? I'm, right. I can...
4: And then you you always get back up and play the game again, and you play it better the next time, right?
0: Sometimes and and sometimes <laughs> uh-huh. and sometimes you're like Paul and the Havre, where you just keep getting worse at it. So you know, taking
4: the fish, I, 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 taking,
0: taking the fish. Taking the fish. Uh, and if that happens, then at some point I'll say, you know what? Maybe publishing is not for me. <laughs> or, right. Or, right. But yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm 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 committed. Yeah. No, I'm no, committed no. to it's this. All, as a, uh, it's
4: all good. I I, I I wish I could write. That's about all I can say. But, but unfortunately, I'm too grounded in technical and policy writing to be able to write Ooh. fiction.
0: Yeah, that's not that's not a good combo. <laughs>
4: no.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well, we have a we have a lot to get to today because we got because I think we're going to have a, a pretty lively conversation about both our topic and about our review. So what say we get to the news? Here we go. Good evening,
4: Mr. Mr. South American. All and clippers at sea. Let's go to press. Come on.
0: First up in game news, it would normally be the biggest news of the board gaming year. The Spiel de Jahres has been announced. We have the winners of the award of the year, the Oscars for the board gaming world. Um, the winner of the 2020 Spiel de Jahres is a game called Pictures. Pictures, ladies and gentlemen. Uh we did announce it, we did talk about it. I did say that it sounds like a kind of a cute idea. Um essentially it's not that crazy different from Pictionary, uh in that you have sixteen images and you're trying to get people to guess which one, which card you're trying to represent, but the things that you have to represent that are shoelaces or wooden blocks or sticks or stones or you know things like that so you're you're taking some very limited artistic resources and trying to convey something more something larger and more complex than that and get people to guess that um and then of course there is the kenner spiel which is something that's more interesting to us since we tend to dip into the heavier side of the pool um it, the people that uh, do Spiel des Jahres, they, they knew for a while that they were mainly servicing the lighter side of the hobby, and they wanted to have a little bit more of a gamer game uh, award, and for that, they did the Kenner Spiel des Jahres, and that award has gone to The Crew, Quest for Planet 9, which we've uh, we talked about quite a bit on this show, actually. We've talked about it several times. i played it many, many times. I I, I like it a lot, but... Do you guys feel like they've gone too soft? I mean, it seems to me like the Kenner Spieldejar is supposed to be the gamers' game and the Crew feels the Crew feels soft enough that the Crew could have easily been the Spieldejar.
4: Right. I mean, I don't pay attention because they I don't know, they just they don't me, me and them don't ever match. Mm. I mean, some of their games like Heron Tortoise, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the older, elegant, you know, nice games I enjoyed but lately in the last I mean, I guess ever since Dominion, what they call gamer games, I wouldn't even buy.
0: Right, yeah. Well, listen, in 96, El Grande was their pick. I mean, right. one of yeah. my favorite yeah. games of all time. call in 99 is a, a pretty deep, pretty interesting game for its era. Alhambra in 2003. So, you know, and in between those, they did things like Ticket to Ride. They did things like um, Niagara and, you know, Dominion, Dixit. So they always have been able to dip into the lighter sphere. But... It feels like they've gone pretty soft. Re- well, maybe not so recently. In 2018, they picked Azul. And I think that's a very fair... For the regular Spiel de Jar, I think that's a very decent choice. I think that's right. a good, solid game. But then last year, they picked just one, which I love. We love that party game. It's fantastic. But... Really, for the Spiel des Jar, you're going to pick a party game that it just doesn't feel <laughs> quite right. And then to follow it up in 2020 with pictures. And, and listen, I don't even have a problem with, with that so much as when you introduce the Spiel des Jar and you want that to be the more serious game and you pick the crew. I, right. The moment they put the crew into that category, I was like, oh, the crew is going to win and it should never have been in this category.
4: Right.
5: Uh, yeah, I, yeah i had a similar reaction tom which is like these awards have always reflected a a lighter sensibility and they seem to be moving even further and right like if you're going to make a distinction between these awards the distinction seems pretty minimal and so there feels like there's a gap here right of like what's what's the award <laughs> uh you know maybe this is opportunity Like what's the award that does reflect more of the game brain you know Mid to mid to heavy euro sensibility out there. I mean, it, does it exist already? And I just don't know it. But I mean, there there, he- there's space for that.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, so you're talking about branding opportunity? I got gotcha. you. I hear what you're saying. All right. The game. The the brainies. <laughs> the, the, the brainies we will look at introducing in 2021.
5: We should totally give out brainies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think we have to. I think we. I think we'll do a 2020 brainies at the end of the year or something like that. That's oh. hilarious absolutely yeah. love it um so moving away from this uh, from from this party game move string around get people to guess pictures let's let's move to a different side let's go to something that's much more up our alley there is a game called the cost that uh some of us are going to be playing tomorrow actually which is kind of interesting who it, um who's going to play it yeah uh, um i'm playing it with ben tomorrow
4: is it online
0: I don't, yes, I'm, yes, I'm, I know it's oh, online because I'm not, yeah, it's on, it's on TTS. So. Oh,
4: really? Uh, what timer can I join? I may not be able to join. Though.
0: It is a, it is a full table. I, got, I grabbed the last spot. So, but 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 trust me, we're going to be playing this. We're going to be playing this online a lot because this is a really really interesting game. Uh, Tom, what is what is this game about? <laughs> uh, well, it's an economic board game, uh, but the no. trick to it, it is
5: <laughs> it's about asbestos.
0: Yes, it is. An it's asbestos about the as- board game. It is a game about the asbestos industry. On the cover of the game is a breathing mask, and the idea of the game is that. You is that you can employ however many employees in your minds as you want. You can pay as much as you want for safety measures to protect them, but the game does not directly penalize anybody for not doing that. It does gradually over time... Cause big big cause a mushroom cloud of problems down the line as people start dying, but there is no individual penalty or problem with people dying right away. Um, some people have looked at this game and said the horror, the horror. How could you do a game on this? But the designers have been very particular about it. They they they've said many many times that they want this to be. A, a moral choice game they want this to be a game in which you explore uh these th- these issues in in a real way and they use games like uh what what's the uh, uh, john company um they use games like a a, a uh, terrible tr- terrible trade no infamous traffic uh and this guilty land as examples uh,
4: archipelago
0: well, archipelago, I'm, I'm not sure.
5: Uh, <laughs> We're not quite as sure about the morality of archipelago. Uh, this, this one makes it kind of like explicit where like you right, are, you are, see, you are operating mean... in the industry and you have the right. option to, to operate your factories ethically or not. Yeah. And you are right. financially rewarded for not. being unethical. To, you know? yeah, so I, it's, it's I, just to a point. thing.
4: Yeah, I think they got the idea from Prison Architect uh, video game.
0: They might have. They might have. Yeah, because because that does do a lot of the same. Uh, it, it does a lot of the same things. But uh, but when they mention an infamous traffic and John Company, they're definitely saying that. Look, this this game is is looking at uh, you know. At a period of our recent history and horrible things that have happened, and we're going to put you into their shoes and see what choices you make and and see you know and see that it's not just bad people being bad, but it's rather a system that rewards badness in a certain way, which is interesting. so i'm I'm looking very much forward to trying this, and then i'm I'm feeling like I'm going to want to be playing a lot of this, right? It, it looks interesting. It looks very, very interesting.
4: <laughs> All right. Well English. maybe it's next kind of a game.
5: tragedy of the commons game.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I, 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 I kinda get that. We'll we'll we'll, ch- we'll check it out. I'm gonna gonna play it uh, you know, today or tomorrow and, uh, and and then you know, hopefully figure out how to play it with everybody. So we'll we'll get this going, looking forward to it. Uh, next up, Jordan Draper News. We always like Jordan Draper News. Uh, Kickstarter has only a few days to go. If you listen to this on Monday, it's probably the last day for this. Uh, there is a Kickstarter for his Tokyo series expansions. He's got two brand new expansions. He's got an expansion for G Market and an expansion for Tokyo Metro. I wish I could talk about Tsukiji Market, but Jennifer gave me her copy. I held onto it for two months, never even read the rules. <laughs> I apologize. I, I'm dying to... to, And now that I'm looking at the expansion to it, I'm like, God darn it. I really wish I had had learned that game and and could teach it. I can talk about Tokyo Metro, which I love. The expansion is the Osaka map. It's basically a, you know, they're doing a... Uh, Age of Steam, where they have a new map, a tighter map, shorter game, um, quite possibly more cutthroat. Um, I'm definitely going to be getting that. No question about it.
4: Yeah. um, It's on um, both of those. I don't know about Metro, but Market is on TTS. It's It's a Jordan Draper blessed and created mod. It's great. So as soon as we can get four people together, I'm in.
0: Well, do we know how to play it yet? Have has somebody? Yeah. I,
4: okay. I watched the heavy cardboard playthrough.
0: Okay. Good. I'm, I'm so in. I'm
4: comfortable, not beautifully comfortable, but comfortable.
0: Okay, then I'll watch the heavy cardboard playthrough as well. And then we'll play it because I'm, I'm dying to play that. And, and Osaka Metro expansion, the expansion to Tokyo Metro is on TTS as well. Tabletop Simulator has both of these games. Listen, and, and now that I learned this, if you've never played Tokyo Metro, go on Tabletop Simulator and play it. It's a delight. It's a really fun, really interesting game. I highly recommend you check it out.
5: So
4: so yeah, I, I, I have um, backed this. You have backed this? I, would yeah.
5: have, I backed the whole thing. The all, all four games because I too am a big huge fan of Tokyo Metro. Um, it looks like this actually ends Wednesday morning at six o'clock Pacific, so people might have a little bit more time than you said. Okay. And like my my impression when I saw this on Kickstarter was you know there's a lot of people out there in the board game world that go on Kickstarter and they see games with tons of minis. Yeah. And like they have to have it. Yep. Like I am definitely not that person. But I might <laughs> I might be the person that looks at like unique wooden. Tokens. Yep, like that's that's my porn.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And Tw- twee little wooden tokens that are painted in odd pastel combinations that are just a the little. <laughs> like these
5: little aqua swordfish. Did you see these little aqua swordfish? Oh, that they're,
0: they're doing here. They may be my favorite piece of the year.
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I had no. I had no defenses against and, it. I have to have the little wooden pieces.
0: And the tiny little perfectly made Jordan Draper boxes that the games all right. come in, right? They're, 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 they're so adorable. They're designed to be something that could come out of a uh, Tokyo, um, uh, what, what are those called? those? Uh, vending machines. Because they have everything in vending machines in Tokyo, like and anything you could possibly imagine comes out of those. These things are the perfect size to go in one of those machines. It's crazy. Uh, wow. <laughs> we are we are fans. We are fans. Um, uh, moving on. This is for Maddie. This is just a, a, a it's a, it's something that caught my eye. There's a tiny little print and play game called Under Falling Skies uh, that is getting a. Full-on version that's getting made. It is a solo-only, super-fun, super-fast game that's essentially like Space Invaders. Uh, essentially, you're going to roll five dice. Three of them are gray, two of them are white. And you're going to have to place the dice. There are five columns, as it were. When you place a die in one of the columns, an enemy sh- alien ship is going to come down the number of spaces that there are pips on the die. But the number of pips on the die also tell you how many actions or how powerful an action you can do. So you're trying to balance the speed at which the enemy is approaching you with the amount of power you have to defeat them. And uh, one of the tricks is that there are the two white dice. Whenever you place the white die, any unplaced dice, you re-roll. So you have two chances to to re-roll uh, in, in the game, which which creates a fairly interesting decision space to some degree. There are also nine and nine only cards in the game that will affect uh, that will affect play. I don't think it's much, but it it certainly looks like a, a very interesting, diverting uh, half-hour uh, little Space Invaders uh, a, a solo mode game, and uh, you know. I feel like we never we never give Matty any love, so we should tell him about that.
5: Right. This is Czechs, It's a Czech's game edition is publishing it, right?
0: So yes, Yeah, they they they're, they're, make good games. They do. Yeah, they're they they they're no joke. They make they make some really really good games, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think I would have brought this up if it wasn't put out by them because they're 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 a fairly serious publisher and they make some interesting stuff. They make they make good choices in terms of what they pick up. Uh, Next up, we talked uh, just last week about Dead Reckoning. It is uh, on Kickstarter, and this is the last week. This is the last week for for Kickstarter. It is up to almost $600,000 from a $50,000 goal, so it is backed entirely. I also wanted to bring it up because uh, Jennifer and I had been talking quite some time about why do people keep making Caribbean games, and when are they going to stop, and what the heck... Are they doing? Um, but I put it out that this particular one is a little different because, first of all, it is not set in the in the Caribbean. It is a Caribbean esque location. <laughs> There's not. There is no. Cheating. There. It is. It is. It is. But you know, Pirates of the Caribbean esque. Let's call it that, right? Where the, there are, there are barely any. Right. There's no. There's no history there to get you in trouble. But also, <laughs> let's point out that the cover art by the you know, by the amazing Ian O'Toole who did the who did the art, uh has a has a black man, a black privateer, a captain on the cover. There is nobody else on the cover. And uh, you know, I thought that was a pretty interesting choice. I thought it was you know I thought that was pretty good.
4: Yeah, I can I will give them Credit for that. Plus, you know, do you know John? John yep. Clare? Yes, we met. We, yeah, we, we, so, yeah. you know, I mean, truly, I would give him the benefit of a doubt off the top anyway. Yeah, so... Look, because I can, he is a he is a very smart, a very great guy.
0: Yeah, I, we think so, too. We, we really
5: enjoy... The, uh, this is kind of a successor to Mystic Vale, right? In that this is a card... Constructor or what, I don't forget the right, right term here, but this is going to be one of those games where you have the transparent cards where you're putting pieces of it together in order to kind of, like, build your deck to play the game.
0: Yes, right? yes, yes. Well, what it is is you have a ship, and the ship essentially is a clear sleeve. And then you're going to pick up cards that are uh, crew members, for instance. And the crew members card has two sides. So you can choose to enter it into the sleeve uh, with one side down or the other side down. And depending on which one you do, you have a deck hand that is better at fighting or better at cannon or better at repair or better at this, right? And so you're choosing the stats of the people that go in there and then in addition there are other cards that go in that are clear at the bottom but essentially you're stacking in other benefits you're outfitting your ship by changing the way you are putting putting things into this clear sleeve that represents your ship not only that but when you explore in this game you're flipping over a a a tile a mat as it were to reveal what's on the other side and those also have a blank space to which clear imprints can go down so the mat the board itself has some customizing features in it which is kind of interesting and then listen i i, I would be remiss if i didn't mention that the battle system in this game is basically the battle system of Wallenstein. there is a right. pirate ship <laughs> that you build you put your cubes in there and the cubes roll out, and unlike Wallenstein, where it's simply the number of people that come out, in this game, it's not just what comes out; it's where they end up on this like large water board thing that basically it, it looks like one of those wave pools. That's what it looks like, and where things where these cubes end up uh, tells you what the result is, which I, I just think is clever as heck. I, it's sweet as I, I'm, I'm. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm. But then again, I've already, I've said this many times in public. I am a sucker for pirate games. I'm, I, and I've been disappointed. Not basically every time. Every time I've never I've never had a pirate game that I loved. Not one.
4: Well, oh. it's over my budget, so I will play your copy if and when we ever play together again.
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. gonna happen, Jennifer. It's just. A long way
4: away.
5: it's gonna be a ways it's
0: gonna be a ways we're gonna take, uh, take some time. hey
4: we all have different political beliefs in the <laughs> political process to produce a way for us to play
0: exactly <laughs>
4: well, look
0: if we changed our political views to a particular political view we could be playing tomorrow I just want to say that we could be playing to- tomorrow all right just keep that in mind everybody here we go. Uh, and last but not least in the news this week, uh, Dungeons & Dragons is launching a new cooperative board game. Uh, they've uh, seen the success of Gloomhaven, etc., 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 and they said, you know what? We should do that, but let's, let's not bother people too much. Let's, let's just do the bare minimum to put
5: out. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom, what do you think about a publisher that does the bare minimum? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I only see 15 pieces of flare on this. The, game. This uh, I think
0: you could I think you could look at the image of this and see exactly 15 pieces of flare. That's exactly what this game has and not one piece of flare more. Um I, listen, we don't know. We haven't played it yet. I will say that at the adventure begin Dungeons and Dragons the adventure begins looks like a basic B. It looks very very simple, but the <laughs> <laughs> but that said, listen, it's only going to be 25 bucks, right? October release, 25 bucks, you're going to get four minis, four bosses, four 20-sided dice because you have to have 20-sided dice. Um, you know, and listen, the production value looks okay. It looks fine. I would say that I think for kids, maybe this might be a good starter to get into the the world of uh a cooperative dungeon crawlers, right? Maybe this is maybe this is a better way to get kids ready for D&D than starting them off with D&D. Who knows? We'll see.
5: But I see, I see this there's a long tradition of this in D&D that goes back to the beginning where they've kind of created these like D&D adjacent games for beginners, in yep. order to expand their their base, and like I don't know if it's ever really worked, but it's kind of like you know the dungeon board game or the basic set. You even remember like the horrible expert set. Oh yeah, because we're because we're, we're that old. So like I feel like this is something that is part of the D and D ecosystem, where like every five years they feel some need to do something to reach out to people who can't who don't play the game already, but yeah. it's usually not great and they had they had solo but, adventures it, it, go ahead go ahead jennifer
4: i was gonna say it would be great if they actually talked to people who started playing D and finding out how they got into it
0: yeah instead that's...
4: of <laughs> go ahead
0: no that's that's not their thing that's not... <laughs> oh man yeah uh,
4: listen. i'm sorry i must this en- isn't for
5: us this game isn't for us it's...
4: okay
0: right is it I don't think so. I don't think this is uh, for us. I mean, listen, if the reviews start coming in and people say, oh my God, you have no idea. It it looks fairly simple, but it's amazing. I would play it. I would try it. But yeah, no, I think Jennifer's point is is dead on right that, that there are a lot of people out there that have had a lot of experiences getting into Dungeons and & Dragons. And if they would... Mind those experiences more than prevent just present some really, really generic looking thing. I think they might be better off.
4: Yeah, it sounds like they talked to some MBA who mm-hmm. said, Well, if you do, this is this market, and if you do this, then you'll get that market. Yeah, being I... an, an MBA myself, I can <laughs> laugh at
0: them. <laughs> uh, so true, so true, and that. Is the news. Shall we get right to our games on the brain? Games, games on the brain. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck
4: on our brains. Oh, baby.
0: Paul last week suggested playing, slowing that down 10% every time we play it from now on. I'm obs- no! I'm obsessed I'm sorry, with that yes. idea. <laughs> I'm positively obsessed with that idea. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> Jennifer, what's on your brain right now?
4: Three things. Baseball is back. Go Dodgers. Woo! Woo! And <laughs> tall one. Tensuyu. No, Taiwan <laughs> Tensuyu. The Inca Empire. I, I I'm I'm thinking I'm gonna like this one better than Takenyu mm-hmm. in the long term because it is just it's more interesting and it doesn't have that sulkin flavor that Takenyu has. And I've never liked I can't say I never liked Sulkin, but I I I ended up not liking Zolkin because of the the uh, planning requirement, and Tekanyu has that, but Taiwan Tensuyu does not, and um, I've enjoyed the <laughs> the I, I've had two half plays and two full plays, and I I greatly enjoyed those.
0: So after 15 plays, Tkenyu the, uh, the 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 <laughs> bloom is off the rose. Are you getting the-
4: uh, yeah. And, okay. So I want to make one thing a hundred percent clear. This is on me. I'm not at all saying it's a bad game. There so- are a lot of really good games out there that I don't like, but but I recognize that they are good games. Right?
0: <laughs> to can you? It's, it's so me. It's, it's not a- you.
4: <laughs> what was what was the third thing? Yeah. Part.
5: What was it? we're going to get to the can you review? But you had, you had three things that you've been playing.
4: Okay, the so the third one is um, a video game that I'm playing called Factory Town.
5: Mm.
0: Tell me about. And
4: it. it's. It's basically a basically it's a base builder and it has a lot of Euro things going on, you know, Mm. worker placement and trying to be efficient with your with what you're doing. You know, one day I'm going to create a video that's going to talk about the relationship between Euro board games and base builders. Video games, because I feel there's a relationship
0: there. Sure, mm, interesting. Yeah, I think there is. I think there is. Trey, what's on your brain?
5: I got to um, play an online LARP called The Lesser Player's Tale. I I GM that with uh, a group of our friends from uh, Chicago. So this is kind of like a new six player LARP from Jason Morningstar and Liz- Lizzie Stark. Uh, people will know Jason Morningstar best by his fiasco Mm -hmm. games and been doing an online LARP and that went great. Um, I've also been kind of dabbing my toe a little bit in the reacting to the past games, which Mm -hmm. are these um, games that are put out by a consortium of faculty members out of Barnard college that do kind of almost usually like full semester educational uh, simulations, um right. So, start, starting to work with those people a little bit with that, the online platform that um, I developed with my friend Lauren for the, the you know situation room experience games that mm-hmm. I designed. And one of the reacting the past games will actually be running at uh, online GenCon mm-hmm. wow. uh, coming up next week. And so that's another thing for people of like games that are on my brain is that GenCon would have been. Coming up uh, this week, and there are online events out there that people could, uh, you know, check out right now if you're listening to this podcast. It's a good
0: point. It's a good point. Now, this reacting to the past games are are they are they sort of the spiritual successor to SimSoc? Are you familiar with SimSoc?
5: I am not. Okay,
0: no problem. Uh, Simulated Society is is what it was. It was uh, one of the very early educational LARPs that essentially broke groups of people into. Three societies and such, and apportioned the resources um unfairly between them and and saw how they interacted, and they would do long experiments on that over the course of a semester and things like
5: that. it's really, really interesting stuff Re- reacting games typically they run a, an entire semester and they will and they're um. They're though heavily invested in history and the primary sources underneath, and so right. students are expected to really engage with these primary sources texts, absorb their uh, you know the ideas from them, and then you know make speeches and debate about these things. So it's it's more academic yeah. and less game design, right? But and like in the end, they they publish a book. Like you can go and find these games on Amazon. I'm familiar and, with it. You know, purchase yes. the book. Um, So that's kind of what they're doing.
0: Uh, I would I would have killed to have a history class that that approached history that way back in the day. Oh my god, that would have been amazing! (laughs) It would have been amazing. I would have loved it. My 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 son this past year in uh, he's uh, a a push American uh, AP US history. Um, and they did his teacher. He has a good teacher this year and they were doing some of that. So they were doing some, uh, debates during the colonial period in the United States. And, uh, my son is, is, uh, not unlike myself. He's a, he's uh easy on the mic. He's, 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 (laughs) he's, he's can, uh, he can sling some, he can sling some nonsense around very easily. And so I went, I, I told him, I, I, you know, I de- I debated the other side because I'm a history buff. So uh, so I was debating the other side to see what he would throw at me and stuff like that. And he was good. And then I was like, Aiden, you know what? You know what you have to do. And he's like, What? I said, I have in my store in the storage unit right outside. I have period correct clothing for you. <laughs> I, have, I have I have a white wig <laughs> that you can put on. And he's like. I go to a public high school. There's no way I'm doing that. And eventually, I just wore him down. I spent two days wearing him down and into his backpack he stuffed a colonial coat and the white wig. And then when he stood up to do his part of the debate, he put them on and I'm so proud of him.
5: <laughs> you are so uncool. I'm You're the so uncool dad now. I know. <laughs> I no, you I should
4: I, be ashamed.
0: I'm the, I'm the coolest dad, but realize yeah. that the, the actual coolest dad is not a good dad. The actual coolest dad, you know, the dad that, that everybody wants to introduce their kids to, that's not a good guy. That's not going to work out. I want to be the cool dad that my kids... Teenagers need that separation, so they need to have that positive experience of complete embarrassment in front of their, you know, from from their parents, and I am giving that to my kids in spades, so...
4: I think I can be happy to have the dad that I had, Tom.
0: Just <laughs> 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 Oh, man. And on my brain, yeah, I, I guess I guess everyone... Yeah, Tom, on...
5: what's on your on your brain? I
0: Sorry. will... Thank you. I, I'll give just a little bit of the game of publishing a book that's on my brain at, at any particular point. So here's the new game that I'm trying to figure out. So I got a lot of people that, you know, having... People buy your first book generally isn't too much of a problem. I'm going to ask you guys, eventually, the, the the listening audience, to buy my first book. That's fantastic, right? But then I found out there's actually a catch to it. You get some really good first sales, but if the people buying your book on Amazon don't normally buy that genre of book, then mm. your also bots. Go to
5: heck. Fish.
0: Yes. They. Well. Oh. They, no. It, it's. It, yeah. They. They go. They go kind of crazy. So. A a romance reader like Jennifer buys buys the book. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just as an example.
5: Absolutely. So do I need to go buy some Clive Custler in advance? No, really, no, 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 no. Right? Uh,
0: first of all, not Clive Cussler, but yes. Uh, so, 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 but there is a thing to it, right? So if if you don't read, so this is a spy thriller, sort of, right? It's you know Lee Child, that world of that universe. It's somewhere in that rant realm. If you don't buy thrillers and you buy my book and enough people buy my book, then the also bots that appear that appeared down there are going to be all over the place. And that's going to be a problem because until, the, until those get straightened out, that's a huge part of advertising. Because if a lot of the people that buy my book also buy so-and-so's book – then when people buy so-and-so's book, I'm going to show up as an also-bought-for-them, and it's free advertising. It's a great way to get more people to read it. So what I'm figuring out is I'm figuring out that there are some authors out there, there are some thriller offer- authors that do things called perma and this is that they put the first book in one of their big series, they put it out for free, permanently for free, so what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to figure out some ways to get when people say, yes, I want to buy your, your, your first book. No, I don't normally buy thrillers. I'm going to say, okay, when you buy my book, here are three free books that you can buy from Amazon, and I want you to buy those at the same time so my also bots don't get messed up.
5: Does that make sense? You're right. You're, yes, you're really gaming this. Congratulations.
4: <laughs> There's a lot. Right, well, but that's what you need to do. Uh, just like I'm checking my book list for some reason. Who is the biggest thriller guy? Not Gresham. Um, who is the James, other guy?
0: Let's see. James Patterson. Pardon? James Patterson. Um, yeah.
4: I Now, I have bought his books. Would that help?
5: Yeah, that helps. That's great. Yeah, Uh, I'm of of no help to you. Yes. It's all Bernard (laughs) Cornwell and Michael Connolly. So I've been trash.
0: And (laughs) O'Brien.
5: Yeah. Well, that's years ago. I own it. He's not putting out any books. No. (laughs) All right. Well, that's
0: what's on my brain. We got nothing for the 8x8 challenge. Nobody played anything on our 8x8 challenge this time. But now, ladies and gentlemen, we are into the top 10 of the Game Brain Top 50. We are doing numbers 10 through number 6. This is super, super exciting, and I'm glad to have Trey on because, Trey, thank you so much for doing the number crunching and uh, uh, doing the finessing of this list into the best list that it could be. This is all thanks to your Excel or Google Sheets uh, expertise. Let's well,
5: it. it's just a question of like how do when we we put together everybody did their top 20 list and then there is like an open question of like well then how do you combine these things in a way that's meaningful. Sure. And I think what ultimately we did settle on like the most important thing was not was actually like how many times did a game appear on everybody's lists. Yes. Right? Yes. And so that's going to diminish somebody who, for example, might put a certain game at number one that nobody else had on their list at all. I don't know who...
4: Almost certainly like me. That.
5: Jake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you and Jake. No, yeah,
0: that's, Literally, yeah. it's the two of you. You put Advanced right. Civ and no one else had Advanced Civ. He put Scrabble and no one else had Scrabble.
4: <laughs> I think my only choice was superior to his. I don't know. Scra-
0: Scrabble's pretty good. <laughs>
5: Disagrees with you, Jennifer. Um, Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so, so that's what this list reflects is is mostly like, did how many times did a game appear on on our lists? Yeah, it is. It is both a it is a combined weighting Mm -hmm. of the
0: rank that that the the total rank value that each player put on it. So twenty points for your number one choice, one point for your number twenty choice. Add up all of those points for everybody. But then add in an additional significant factor, which is how many lists is it on? Period, which is right. uh, how we came to the list. So let's get so to like it. our
5: number ten here is a great example of this, right?
0: It, it very much is. It was uh, it it was only on four lists. No, it, it was on four lists. Yeah. So we got a, it got a boost. Um, the Gallerist. The Gallerist is our number ten game. Welcome. <laughs> Viddle Lacerda to the list. Two people had it as their number one. Alfred and Elder both had it. Elder. <laughs> both had it as their number one game of all time. And Trey and Dimitri both had it very high. Top four for that, both of them. That's number four, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> okay, game. the
4: reason Elder has the Gallows is because I traded it to him for a Tricarion.
5: Ah, you know what? There's no loser in that trade. There's no right. user in that trade. It's great. It's great. So but, the Galarist is actually an example here of a, of, a, of a game that was hurt by the ranking system here. Because if you were just adding up, like, points based upon where we had it ranked, this would have been our fifth six? favorite. Yeah. G- yeah, no, fifth. You're right. Had, yeah. yeah, fifth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it is number 10 because it was ch- totally, beloved, on four lists. totally yep. beloved by some, but not recognized by the rest.
5: Ignored by everyone
0: else. Uh, listen it was it's in my top 40 I just I'm just not absolutely gaga over it number 9 Zolkin I'll tell you whose list this isn't on. It's not on Jennifer's <laughs> list. It's not on mine. It's not on Jennifer's list, but it is no. on Paul's, Trey's, Tom's, Alfred's, and Jesse's. Paul and Tom had it ranked the highest. So this, this benefited very much from being on a lot of lists because nobody had it in their top eight. But a lot of people had it on their uh, on their top 20 list for sure. Uh, Zulkin's an amazing and, uh... game. Yeah. Because no. Because it's about <laughs> planning and planning is what it's all about, right? That's the best well, the best thing.
4: playing Zulkin is like going to Disneyland and getting to the front of a line and then leaving the line to go to another line.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you are pulling guys off of uh, off of the discs when you get up to the top of the discs and then putting them on the discs. I guess it kind of is in a certain way. I mean, I guess e- looking at the game one way, It could look like a very Sisyphusian uh, experience, I guess. But, uh, God, I love that game. It's so good. It's so
5: good. I love the wheels. I love the gears. It's such a great mechanism for representing time.
0: That's exactly what I say. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Number eight, Terraforming Mars. Oh, how did it only hit number eight? But it did. Thank Uh,
4: goodness it only hit number eight.
0: Dimitri's (laughs) third favorite game right there. It's also on Maddie's (laughs) list, Ben's list, Alfred's list, and Jake's list. Top games of all time. There you go. Number eight, Terraforming Mars. Number seven, this is a game that is probably not on most top ten lists, but it is on our Game Brain list. Number seven, Tichu. Dimitri's number one game of all time. My number three of game of all time. Jake's number two game of all time, and it's also on lists by Paul and by Jesse. Uh, listen, I'll, I'm 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 going to defend this choice to, in, until the cows come home. Tichu is an absolute blast. It is the only partner game that we have uh, anywhere on our list. It it is an absolute instant classic, and it's a and it's a classic that can be played by anybody and it came out of the indie games universe and i'm very very proud to have it on our list
4: i'm a gatekeeping bridge player excuse
0: me i like bridge i like <laughs> <Congratulations>. bridge too <laughs> i like bridge too i think it's a, i think bridge is a great game if i didn't have to play with bridge players i would play bridge I'm all the time <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least number 6 number 6 of all time should be number one of all time but it's not it's number six age of steam age of steam is on paul's top 10 list trey's top 10 list matt's top 10 list tom's top 10 list alfred's top 10 list nobody has it at number one but it is well respected and well loved here age of steam trey who designed age of steam Martin Wallace. <laughs> Martin Wallace. D- 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 damn right. That's what happened. That's what happened.
5: <laughs> that's all right, I'm say right, about I have that. Oh, no. But
4: wait a minute. I have a question for you, analytic guys. Uh oh. Okay. None of those games I rated. Am I the only person who didn't rate any of those games?
0: Uh, no. Le- uh, let me give. Well, I actually for those yes. games, yes, you are. But <laughs> I But know. of the top ten, you and Elder both only have two picks that are in the top 10 list. You have, the, you have the least number of picks in the top 10 list. I think Dimitri has the most picks that are in the top 10 Dimitri list.
5: Dimitri and I do both have eight there out you of go. the 10.
0: There you go. Yeah, Dimitri and you have, have, have the most. You're there with seven. There you so.
4: go. A world less traveled.
0: Listen, yeah. you're, just an out, you're just an outside the box thinker. That's all there is to it. All right. We need that. We need that. Okay. If it's just me, Dimitri, and Trey, we're all picking the same things all the time. It's boring. It's just boring.
5: Wait a second. What do, what do Jennifer and Elder have in common? Hmm.
4: Uh, we're not, both black.
5: Almost, no, I got just, it. That's about it. That's
0: about it. That is, that
4: is correct.
0: <laughs> no, no, Madeira. <laughs> Madeira. <laughs>
5: Does
4: I this list represent our hey, guess what? white sensibility? No, no, no.
0: Check this out. Madeira, Lisboa, Aura et Labora. That's what yeah. they have in common. Those are their three. Right. Those, are, those are the three right. Three that they that they share. And by the way, other than Lisboa, 100% agreement. 100% agreement. And, and I like Lisboa. I just don't love it. Jennifer, you understood me, even if Tom did
5: not. Right.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't see color. All right. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's it. That's, that is, uh, of our top 50, that's 45 games. Can you figure out what five games are missing? Because if you can, you already know the, uh, the, the top five. Maybe not the order, but you can figure out what the top five is. Um, yeah, the, it, I found the top five to be revelatory, to be very, very interesting. Uh, what our number one game is and by how much it is our number one game was shocking to me. Uh, yeah, it was very interesting. We're looking forward to get to that next week. But right now— it Nice is, nice tease, good tease. Well, you know, you try. You try. You, you, you don't, sell the, don't sell the steak, sell the sizzle. Uh, our game review this week is Tekenu, Obelisk of the Sun. It is a 2020 release coming out next week. It, its designers are Danielle Toschini and David Turksi. The artists are Jakub uh, Fachanowski, Michael Doulage, and Zebienyu Omgetler. And it is put out by Board and Dice. I'm guessing that, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I'm guessing I totally butchered those artists' names. My apologies in advance. Um, so this is a game that is set in ancient Egypt. There is a beautiful, tall obelisk in the in, in the center of the board, and uh, it plays with a mechanic that we like, like to call sun and shade. So as the sun moves around the obelisk, Different parts are in sun and different parts are in shade, and that significantly changes some of your uh, des- decision-making in the game. Who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about the the basics of how what the game is?
4: Trey, I'll let you go
5: first. Done. Okay. Um, okay, I think we would best best describe this as a dice-drafting game, right? I think so. Where kind of in the same um, similar, um, very similar to Troya's or Troyes, in terms of how you pull dice, like on your turn, what you're going to do is you're going to select a die and you're going to take an action. And then the, the richness of the game is what do you do with that die? Um, so I think the, the framing of this game thematically is that we are probably like Egyptian nobles representing certain aspects of society and we're kind of like building our own little... Portion of this Egyptian society. And when we take a die, we are either taking that die in order to get a certain amount of resources of a specific type. There's a number of different kinds of resources in this game, which is why Elder likes it so much. <laughs> or the other thing that you can do when you take a die is you can take a god action. So where you pull from the obelisk um, kind of determines what. God action you can take. And then, as Tom kind of suggested before, maybe the thing that's most unique about this game is that as the game progresses and is kind of representing the movement of the sun, um, these dice fall into an area of sunlight or shade or kind of like half light, which determines that when you take the die, is the die blessed or is it corrupted? And then you kind of have to like balance out. Um, you know, the kind of spirituality of your dice or else there are penalties that affect the game.
0: Yeah. Which I found, which I found quite interesting. So there are six uh, sectors around this obelisk and each sector represents a different God. One God is concerned with building pillars in the grand temple area. And that's the main thing that they do. Another God is building buildings around the temple area and increasing population. Right. Right. Another god is concerned entirely with the happiness of that population, which does not fit the Egyptian theme at all, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's another god that uh, is, is about the improvement of society, and that is represented by cards that exist down at the bottom of the, uh, of the board, some of which are technology cards, which provide a lasting benefit for the rest of the game for you, some which are, have an instant benefit that you can use once and only once, and some which give you an additional end game scoring option you can have a maximum of three of those cards over the course of the game uh, and then i think the other two special things are one is building buildings inside the quarry which give you uh which give you the uh, ability to improve the amount of resources you can get when you take one of those resources yeah, it's a little and, bit of an engine thing plus yeah. scoring and then last that, but not yeah. least there are statues there is a god that allows you to place statues out on the board. You can place statues on the very sectors where people are taking dice, and when you do that, you're getting the benefits of—you're uh, getting free resources of uh, various kinds when people take those dice, or you can put the, the these things directly into the quarry, or you can put them even into the temple itself. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Jennifer, you said that this—that uh, that your main objection to this is the amount of planning. Can you talk about that for a second? Because I think that's really where yeah, we need to go. Yeah, because
4: actually it was a, a reply to Candace Harris's preview of it, which I would recommend everybody to read, by the way. It's a very good, very full description of how the game plays. And it's in the... The board game geek section. Yeah, check of the, the show notes page. of the
5: podcast. We'll have that included there. Yeah. yeah.
4: Okay. Great. Um, you know the the planning comes because at any given time a die is in a certain state. So, mm-hmm. if as the wheel turns, then the dice change state right mm-hmm. so your forbidden die the next turn it's tainted or your uh pure die the next turn is it's um corrupted. forbidden yeah. um if i recall correctly the gray dice are never forbidden um yeah they're always correct
0: corrupted. correct and, oh. and they also don't re- correspond to a resource
4: right yeah exactly which is important um and so, you know, you should maybe wait until your, the die that you need comes into a more favorable position. Mm-hmm. And so then you're going, and well, okay, I'll wait for that die. Oh, well, what's a turn order? I mean, for a lot of people, it's going to be very interesting and very strategic. And for me, I like... And it's just me. Like I said, again, Mm -hmm. people don't, you know, don't think, oh, she hates it or it's a bad game. It's a great game. I just don't like, I like playing the game that's in front of me.
0: Right. (laughs)
4: And, yeah. Not the game that is
0: eventually going to emerge.
4: Right. And so, you know, I don't hate it or anything. And, you know, it may just be too much exposure, you know. Fifteen times oh, in, in I mean, a couple of weeks. I feel like a robot now teaching the game. <laughs> like, oh, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and boom, we're done.
0: Look, you're at the 15-play itch, all right? You're either going to get past <laughs> that or you're
5: going to fold. It's going to be one or the other. So this is the point. She, one of the things I think Jennifer's talking about there is like, this is a point salad game. I think that's, that's fair. You're getting points from all different areas of the board and the different actions. And part of your understanding of this game is, like, how do these various god actions of these six things around the board, how do they work with each other? Yeah. And, like, how you each time you play this game, you might get them to work with each other in different ways. And that can be really interesting. It can also be completely overwhelming when you're first uh, learning this game. And I think also, if I'm understanding Jennifer correctly, that interaction is going to be pleasurable to some people and it's going to be annoying to others because it's, it, it doesn't always feel completely straightforward how the different um, aspects of this game actually work with each other.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, when you are going, when it's your turn to go, you are going to choose a die, and you're going to pull it over to your board. But it's not simply look at which sector you want to pull a die from and pull the die. If it was just that, then, hey, no big deal. This is a pretty standard game. But the dice have different numbers on them. The dice are different colors. The dice are either in the, in, in the clean side, in the what, – what is the word for it, Jennifer?
5: Blessed. Uh, It's
4: pure.
0: Pure. The pure side or the tainted side, right? Well, here's the thing. You take these dice and you put them onto a scale on your board. And if you have an imbalance between tainted and pure, at the end of that round, at the end of every four dice that you've drawn, you're going to add up the values on each side of that scale. The person closest to zero is going to be the new start player.
4: Right, right. And it's, that part is interesting. And it's one of, you know, it's the situation, particularly if you can put it on the pure side, you can say, well, I'm not going to play for play order this time. So I'm just going to be plus 11 pure. Right? Yeah, right. You know, that's fine. Or even maybe eating some victory points and being minus two or whatever. But it is, it is, um, what am I trying to say? I'm sorry. No, no, no. It, it is a factor. Yeah. And it's one of the few reasons why it's good to go last in the game, mm-hmm. um, because, at that last time, you sometimes can control, you know, am I gonna go first, second, third, or fourth next time?
0: Correct. Correct. Yeah, and the interesting thing is is that if you end up with more pure dice points than you do tainted pure tainted dice points, you're you may go late in the turn order, but there's no other penalty. But if you have more taint. There are actual negative victory points that are uh, that are accruing for you. You're negative one, negative two, negative three victory points right, that can right. that can pile up, which is yet another, which is yet another calculation that you have to take into account. It's it's a, a very very interesting. Uh, then the the amount of you know a lot of these games have there are points that are scored during the game, and then there are end game scoring points, right? And the balance between those two. Is is uh, you know a very much a factor in what kind of feeling the game has, but I think like Trey yeah. was po- yeah go but ahead.
4: I think though I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, I was just I just had a thought about those in-game points. Tell me. And that is they're hidden. Now I've played the game so much, I guess it's kind of like through the ages where mm-hmm. I know what people are going for. Yes. And they're right. hidden objectives. Yes. Right?
0: They're, they're, not, but so, hidden. they're not so hidden, hidden because yeah. if you're going to score any significant points, we're going to see what you're doing. Right?
5: <laughs> you have built right. seven columns. I know what your card is. Yes.
0: That's that's what I did the, the last game I played. Yes. <laughs> I had I had the column thing and I was just I was wailing on the columns. So no one no one had to guess that. But your point is right is that if you can really see it, then why not have that exposed? Why have that be a hidden hidden element? You and exactly you and Trey both share a dislike for anything that requires memory or any kind of hidden uh, conditions. I think the
4: other problem is so. I think it's two two different.
0: Yeah, it's two different factors. I'm sorry, I I was conflating two different things.
5: Yeah, Uh, but I think Jennifer just made the point. You can't really do anything about it. Like one of the aspects of this game is like the difference between dice drafting um, and like work replacement is like there's not really blocking in this game like I, you there's some interactivity in terms of like what dice you grab but you're not like if i take a certain die am I, I it's i'm just making it a little bit harder for tom to you know to take another column action and to build his seventh column right is that kind of what you're talking about here is like you can't do anything like i can see you going for columns tom i can't stop you
4: right well unless i think good go ahead, go ahead right
0: no, it's me. It's Tom. I was going to say that unless there's only one die in that area, right? There, there's three sections right. in, each, uh, in each little sliver of the thing. One section is the pure dice. One section is the tainted dice. And one section is unavailable dice. These are dice that are just... You can't take them for anything. There's only one way to take them, which is doing an Osiris action. And an Osiris action essentially is... Burn, Anubis. Burn, say, uh, Anubis, yes, beg your pardon, Anubis, where you burn your your scribes, your most valuable thing. Scribes are used to change dice, so they're <laughs> tremendously great to have. You're going to burn scribes. You're going to to basically take any die anywhere and do what you want to do with it. It's, it's one of those things that um, I, I think that ideal play, you're never going to do that, but it's good to have the resources necessary to do that, if you have a monster turn and you could be denied it, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, because I think that, in fact, because there's no passing in the game, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys realize that, but there is no action. There is no time in the game when you can just say, I'm not going to take an action. You must take an action.
0: And you must take it fully, right? Pardon? And you must take it fully. You must do the, the whatever the whatever action you choose. You have to do what it does. Uh
4: yeah, I'm not sure about the card action though. You might be able to take fewer cards. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Okay. We can ask about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because of that, you've got to have some other ways to do stuff. Yes. Right? Yes. And uh the Anubis action is a way to do stuff Yeah,
5: it's a rule breaker. so go ahead no it's a rule yeah, so you're gonna like i think you're you're gonna you know exactly in this game you have 16 actions you're gonna take 16 turns in this game and kind of the way they structure that is um is interesting and like you said before jennifer like maybe part of what is not fun for you is the planning in this because yeah. you very much in this game are going to get to a certain point where you're like I have five actions left in my game. Like, what are the things I need to do in order to stick my landing in terms of scoring? And, like, that that can make for a very interesting game, or it can just be annoying and 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 frustrating. One of the things Tom just talked about, like, we, he was calling uh, it an Osiris action, and I corrected him that it's a, an Anubis action. I talked to Ben a little bit, who, who played this game, and um, he was pointing out that... Like, this was a source of frustration for him, where, like, in a sense, the theme of the game, in a sense, kind of got in the way of understanding how all these different pieces work together. Because, like, they've themed all these different things as god actions, which we're going to call this an Osiris action or a Nubis action or a Bast action or something like that. Which actually is just, like, this layer of that keeps things from necessarily being understood. Like he was saying, like what I really wanted to do here is I need to take a temple action because I'm building a column in the temple. But that's like technically that's an Osiris action. I yes. think I'm probably getting getting it wrong there. But um that was a, a level of, of frustration for him is you know both like there's a lot of iconography you've got to learn here and then you've got this layer of kind of like egyptian names which don't actually describe what the thing is yeah. like as opposed to like when you if you're playing agricola and you're plowing fields like that's a plowing fields action it's not a verse action you know <laughs> or something there's not that extra layer of of german something something there that's a good point um, yeah that yeah, was yeah. a source of and so to, to me, like this game in the, in the canon of the, of these designers, there's aspects of this that feel a little more Trismegistus to me hmm. and less Teotihuacan because there ha- it has that kind of, here's a bunch of different things you can do that are pretty removed from necessarily like a logical, oh, I'm plowing fields, I'm getting corn, I'm feeding my people. Like there's some of that stuff here. But it's pretty obscured and it feels like the theme is pretty pasted on here. It's, it's a lot of it, but it's not, it's not especially understandable. Yeah. It, you're just, you're doing things and you're scoring points.
0: I'd like to say that. that oh, so here's what I, I like about the game Trismegistus, I did not care for. And part of it was that the, um, the theme, made the game hard to understand. In that sense, this is similar, right? In that sense, the the God action should just be renamed, right? The the God that ups your happiness, the the God that ups your happiness, it should not be named after God. It should be the festival action, you're creating a festival to, you know, to to get your people happy, right?
5: Or it, you're taking a happiness action. Like that's what everyone's going to call it when they're playing the game. It's like I'm taking the happiness action. Sure. right? I, I, I yeah. guess
0: I guess what I'm doing is I'm giving it just a yeah. tiny bit of theme to, but but not a theme that doesn't mean anything to anybody, right? Uh, but Trismegistus, My main complaint is that it was multiplayer solitaire. That that there was very so little interaction between players. I I feel like with the dice in this game. Um, I found that there were a number of times when my die was taken before I could take before I could take it, and it forced me to really zig and do things that I uh, that were not my primary thing. And then fighting for turn order by balancing my dice at the end of the turn right. became very very. Well, important. Tom,
4: though, I'm so sorry. No, go ahead. Oh. I was just gonna say, but did they take your dice because they knew it was your dice? Or did it just coincidentally happen?
0: Oh, I didn't play with Paul. So, no, they didn't. (laughs) It it, it
5: happens all the time. It coincidentally happened. And and that's very common. You'll be playing this game. You'll be looking at the die you want. And it's very likely to be taken right before it gets to you, which is – like that's not that uncommon in these games, but I think Jennifer's point is it's probably cuz it's like the best die available at that time and very and very rarely I mean, maybe it changes when you're at 15 plays are you saying I'm taking this die this may be, you know, less than ideal for me but it wrecks Tom.
4: Yeah, well Yeah, that's, like, that's what I'm missing. Well, maybe? yeah, but yeah, but we're still that's, that, I'm sorry. No, Go no, no, ahead,
5: Tom.
0: No, no, we're we're at the beginning of this game right you're not at the beginning of this game the rest of everybody you're playing with is at the beginning of this game <laughs> it's going to take me it's going to take me five or six plays before i stop looking at what i'm trying to do and start looking at what the other players are trying to do right because this is a complex clockwork there are a lot of moving parts and for me so just as an example if i want to uh, if I want to get a lot, if I want to build statues, I need a lot of granite. How do I get a lot of granite? Well, I'm need. I need to first up my ability to produce granite. So I have to build a building with a very high die in the quarry, and it has to be one on the uh, you, you know that generates that generates granite and ups my granite production, oh, right? And yeah, then, I want
4: to say something about that. Please do. Okay. I, I'm wondering if the quarry isn't a trap, because you build all this stuff to get your production out, but how many times are you really taking a production turn? Mm, yeah. And is that a loss of tempo turn?
0: It might be, but my guess is is that there's, there's a quarry game, right? There probably is a quarry game in which taking three or four production actions to have all the resources you need to be taking massive, massive actions each turn, building buildings, building statues, building that kind of stuff, and, and really maximizing that, probably is, is a play.
4: I don't think so, and mm. the reason I disagree with you, sure. I respect your opinion, though. Every Listen. time you take a quarry action, you lose happiness. At yep. zero happiness, you can't take a quarry action.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. It, it's- so
4: how are you gonna get in sixteen turns? You're getting all of this production. You're doing all of this production, and you're keeping your happiness up.
5: It's it's. Well- it- Right. That, that's what, exactly what, what we're you saying. guys are talking about is sequencing. Right. Like, I think we, we talk about a lot of games as being efficiency competitions. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. a lot of board games is like, how efficient are you with your actions? I think this, in, in addition, adds to it um, like you need to do these things in a proper order. That doesn't mean you, now in, and often you don't. And I think part of the game is discovering a lot of times the order that you need to do things. like do you you know, like do you build your uh, columns in the temple before you build your buildings? or so your buildings before your columns? Like there's rewards for doing it one way. Or the other. Like I agree with you, Jennifer, that like when you take a resource action, it feels like a huge tempo hit. But if you've gone to the quarry ahead of time so that you're getting the most out of that die, so that I'm getting, you know, four resources rather than two when I take a production turn, then I'm starting to be more efficient in my sequencing. And and I think like that's that's what this game is yeah is is sequencing your actions and anticipating what am i going to be able to pull off that other players aren't going to deny me with these disappearing dice
0: yeah i think that's yeah. true um so let's 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 get to our uh, to our sort of final overview how do we feel about this game Jennifer i think you've already kind of uh, kind of said that so why don't you go once you go first your overall thumbs up thumbs down and why
4: yeah, I do need to play it with experienced players yes. to, to create a final thing, right? Yep. But I guess like I that there are a couple of things that I'm leery of. I don't feel it's inter- it may not be as interactive as I'd like, mm-hmm. and um, the hidden objectives may feel arbitrary. By the way, I've gone through the decrees, and they are not equal. They are not balanced. <laughs> okay. Right.
5: Okay. Trey, okay, what about you? So
4: that's a concern. Yeah, I think
5: um, I want to play this game some more. I suspect that this game, with if, if people heavily invest into it, they will find it very rewarding and uh, strategically deep. So, in that sense, I think it's I think it is a good game ultimately for some you know medium to heavy Euro gamers that our podcast kind of talks to. I think though that it is a tough teach. I think there's a certain amount of kind of like design bloat. That's going on here there's just a lot of stuff going on, and then there's some fiddly exception stuff that's that's hard to take in on your first and second plays, but kind of like you'll get there with it, but it also it this I think this game probably like fails my like elegance test yeah. where you know, like of this kind of like perfect combination of mechanics and theme. This one's falling short from being like a classic. I think it's a good game. I I, I don't think it's gonna be making any top twenty list for us in the future. Gotcha.
0: Um so I'll I'm I'm gonna be the Merry Sunshine here. Uh I I'm really <laughs> loving it. I'm really no I'm really, really enjoying it so far. I love the fact I love how many different level levers there are, and so for instance, I'm looking at these cards and I realize, okay, I'm currently losing the game. Trey is having a much better game than I than I am right now. So what if I up my population and then up my happiness so that I can get some of the more advanced cards, right? Because maybe I can draft a end game scoring card that might flip the script so that even though Trey is is winning in the points you get during the game, I might be able to catch him at the end of the game. So first I have to up my population and then I have to make the, my population happier so that I can get those cards. There's so many different little things that you have to do in so many sequences. I think, Trey, Trey you, you were dead on right about that, that give you that option. I think what Jennifer just said about the quarry maybe being a trap is kind of blowing my mind because... <laughs> because I was thinking, I was thinking next time I'm going heavy quarry, I think that's the way to go. <laughs> right. So there's, right. Is I want it?
4: to watch it. I want to be there.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I because I, I, I feel like, you know, from the last play, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, I think I might be able to do that. But, but 15 plays in, you think, you think maybe you can't. So it, it's, It is a game that is uh, activating my game brain very heavily. I'm very into it, and I'm looking forward to to playing it a lot more. And I really do think that – I think what all of us said is that this is one of those games that probably sings when everybody has a pretty firm grasp of it and then – then we start playing right. the player and right. not just playing that's the
4: game. That's why I want to withhold judgment. One thing I do want to tell everybody currently it's not available on Tabletopia. I was very fortunate that Boarding Games, I mean, Boarding Dice, gave me a private link, and that's how we we're playing. They told me they planned to make it public. On Tabletopia, they also are expecting a board game arena implementation.
0: Yes,
5: yes. Which I look forward to. Very much, yeah, That yeah. will improve things dramatically.
0: And hopefully it'll be coming out, uh, yeah, the Tabletopia beta is has been troubling for us. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's tough. Um yeah, it is coming out this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if what if it sounds interesting to you, uh, I suggest that you, you you seek it out. I'm really quite blown away by it, and uh, I'm I'm way into it. But uh, the my other two co-hosts uh, have have criticisms and concerns. Please weigh those in there as well. That is Tekenu Obelisk of the Sun coming out next week. Now let's uh, let's get a little. Violence. let's get a little confrontational let's,
4: let's talk not violent i'm non-violent i follow dr martin luther king
0: well not in games you don't player you know
4: you're just being pedantic
0: <laughs> player versus player in gaming old school versus new school jennifer <laughs> tell us tell us tell us what brought this topic to you to mind
4: Okay, there's a couple of things, you know, um, as you people may know, I was one of the team members that um, co-designed Advanced Civilization, which then got turned into um, Mega Civilization, and which is now Western Empires. And so someone wrote me. And said they didn't understand why we put road building into the game. Road building is a way where you can take your armies and take down another player's cities. Yep. Right? Exactly. And this is this is PvP, right? Because you're trying to win the game. So the other thing that also happened that has been happening in 18 x and very recent releases is the need for 18xx designers to add an export train action right okay mm-hmm. and this is because apparently players were playing 18xx in a way where they just played with two game two trains the whole game right okay yes and because they're kind of expecting the game to move them along i guess i'm not sure because i could never imagine playing that way and so what i started thinking about is that um Some of the Euro games that many people are playing and some of them people are wanting to to play 18xx or maybe even do a destination game like Advanced Civ, right? And um, they are failing, though, to understand that these games, you have to go after other people. So in advance, Civ, if someone has nine cities and you're losing, well, you need to be talking to people to get that nine city player down to one city. Right. One yeah. way of doing that is road building, right?
0: Yep. Yeah.
4: So But what, it doesn't occur to these people.
0: Well, yeah. So let let's let's talk about why. So what we're saying here to 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 boil this down is that old school players, um, we brought up and trained in a situation where when they evaluate a game, they say, how do I slit your throat the, the most efficiently? Whereas game players that are of the more modern, more Euro version tradition are, how do I manipulate the game system to get the most points? which are very, very different schools of thought, very different ways of looking and approaching the game and probably why pe- newer players are not train rushing in 18xx and newer players are wondering why, why road building in Advanced Civ is still in there when obviously the tech from that doesn't develop well on the tech tree into other things, Right. Right. Both of those both of those schools of thought are are more what is the game letting me do as opposed to, you know, let's because, because let's face it, when you are explained 18XX, um if you just read the rules, it's not the game doesn't point you to here's how you destroy somebody by by rushing <laughs> trains, right? It doesn't say that it is right. it is it is actually something that it's sort of an unspoken thing. So that so that's that, that's kind of an interesting point. Whereas in euro games for the most part, they when there is player versus player conflict, they have a whole section on it and they explain what it is and why it is and how it works and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, so have we uh, what I don't want this to be is I don't want this to be kids these days they're so wimpy. they're you know they you know none of them know how to take a punch
4: hey, I'm the afro euro queen. So, yes you are you know I'm right there
0: so uh trey as the as the, as the game designer in in our group what what have we what are the advantages
5: of having less of that nowadays well i mean i think w- the games we're describing are kind of like I, as you put it old school games and it's 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 that they it's not also that they permit conflict it's almost like they require it yes like these you're not really playing 18xx unless you're unless part of what's at risk is that you can wreck somebody's stock situation or you know dump a company on 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 somebody on somebody else you know, these, these are um, these are older games um, and we're seeing sometimes players that never played those games that are playing more modern games when they go and move into these older things they almost don't know how to play them it's like you know you really need to be able you really need to be able to attack this player now or you're not really playing i had a like for example the the incident that comes up in my mind is i played uh you know Kalis at Strategic Con, uh like last year mm-hmm. with some very nice people who <laughs> really weren't <laughs> playing the game because they <laughs> never wrecked me with the bailiff. And it was a very pleasant game in which I completely... Dominated because like they never coordinated to destroy me, and it's like we're playing Kalis here, guys. Like I'm, I'm having to beg them to like don't let me get away with that. Where no, you should absolutely be destroying me here. And can, like no, we just want a friendly game, and like okay, we should not be playing Kayla's. Can I can I, <laughs> can I
0: can I can I give the corollary to this because the corollary is hilarious. So um, I played the game with a uh, friend of the pod, Mark. Now. And, mm-hmm. and that crew, which is the Peter Ackerman, Chuck Tolman, uh, these, are, these are the founders. The old school
5: crew. So, yes. Yeah.
0: Some of the founders of the video game company Treyarch, actually, the geniuses. These guys are, are, are brilliant uh, game designers. And they are old school gamers. We play Republic of Rome together, which we call the bickering simulator. That's all we call it. We, play, we played <laughs> Advanced Civ together. We played all of these games. We are old school gamers. We got Kalis out. I taught people Kalis. And we broke the game. Literally, everybody paid the maximum to move the, to move the provost back every single time. We generated so few resources that so few buildings were were created. It was, I was
5: dying. La- I was laughing but so hard. That might hard. be the ideal implementation of Calus. Like that might be Calus at its <laughs> ultimate form. Is this race to the bottom, <laughs> in which you know no no one gets anything of what they want
0: well you know like, you know there's a reason play. There, there's a reason the crock the Croc designation goes to chuck tolman among other people it it wasn't purely ideal play it was pure it was oh, ideal okay. play combined <laughs> with with uh, you you take my eye, I take your arm. <laughs> it was it was one of those things where it felt like the Hatfields and the McCoys playing a game where if I've done anything to you, I will you know you will pay it back to me tenfold <laughs> before the game is over, and that became the entire goal of the game. So, but,
5: but is to that get, a better? To get back to your original yes. question though. Go like ahead. there are good reasons that. Um, we we kind of like games aren't designed this way anymore those games were very long and combined with that a lot of times like they could have player elimination or worse you would not be eliminated but you would be like in a position where you were had no chance of winning from very early on and you were stuck for another seven hours um and so you know modern games want to avoid that they want a shorter experience that's that's more pleasant more fun um and so i think what's interesting is like where we're looking at games that are trying to somewhat bridge this gap where they want to preserve something that's fun and exciting about conflict or PVP um, in games, but they want to kind of smooth off the edges and put it in a more, you know, Euro game friendly context. And so like, I think Tom, I mentioned to you before, like this is kind of where we see like Eclipse, right? Who's trying to kind of like reconcile these two, just right. to urge it, Jennifer. Have you
0: played
4: Eclipse? Uh, I played it once, and the the original game, and the winner never ever attacked anybody. They just kept rolling dice. Who
0: who were you playing with? That's horrible.
4: Um, a group I don't play with anymore.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> like,
4: that doesn't that does
5: not. Oh, but this seem might be an example, right at of all. kind of what we're talking about. Like it is possible in Eclipse that you've got your own little point engine. Right. And if no one messes with you, you will win. Right. right. right.
4: And I so... was on the other side of the board and the guy that was in the middle wouldn't do anything. Uh... And see, that's what I'm talking about, is yep. that is that we play now in Euros. We play to win, although Tom and I had a good laugh at you know, our game breaker is trying to break Euros. But let's see what happens if we put Paul in a diplomacy game with experienced diplomacy players.
0: Oh, I, yeah, that would
4: be exciting.
0: We're chumming the waters. It's I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure his his. Uh, I I think he'd have to play a game very differently than his his table presence would have to change radically for him to be successful in it. Right. Right. Now,
4: most likely.
0: Now, there are modern Euro games. It's
4: still fun to think about it because, you know, I mean, you guys are diplomacy players, right? From a long time ago, right?
0: Trey and I are both Los Angeles champions. Right.
4: (laughs) Right. And so you understand what truly breaking a game means, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And see... For me personally, you know, like in, in 18XX, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, well, oh, I know. Let me give you a really good example that just happened. Um, I was uh, teaching Ben and Elder at uh, 18 Chesapeake, right? Uh-huh. And so toward the end, I had a diesel and they were letting me run for 570.
0: mm no no no. And no, no, no.
4: there was the reason I was able to do that is cuz they didn't block a station that they had a token to block with.
0: Right. Right. So so there is a difference like nowadays PVP tends to be dudes on a map games, right? Uh, but Yeah. but really when we're talking PVP, we're talking we're talking 18XX, we're talking a lot there are a lot of different games that had that right there Republic of rome for for, for one had a right, lot but of
4: eclipse has it right
0: eclipse does but that's a dudes on a map game really it's oh, okay. space but it's yeah. you know you're you're building units and you're rolling dice and attacking other units right so it's still very much that but what about this one though food chain magnate is a very old school game by by its design first of all uh, as it has essential player elimination in the sense that Trey was talking about, in that in the very first turn you could be put in a situation where you are not going to win that game. We've discussed that <laughs> before, right? It is definitely player versus player. The choice of what you are what you are producing, the price wars that you are having with another person, is in a very real sense. Like I get hurt more by you producing. Pizza, knowing that I have a pizza chef and a whole operation, and you're undercutting my price by three dollars, that is, you could you could slay a hundred orc armies, and I wouldn't care as much as you lowering <laughs> as you lowering the price of that damn pizza, right? That kills me. That destroys me. So right. So so splatter is this is this weird sort of thing where they have figured out how to have a lot of that old school. I'm going to stick my thumb in your eye <laughs> and, and and yet still have that euro feel and yet that euro flavor, right? I that for me that's one of the reasons that I love them so much because they combine the old school, you know, schoolyard fight of uh, uh, fun of that with
5: the new school more rarefied air of uh, yeah, it's, It is more modern, right? They're not murdering your pizza chefs. They're, they're undercutting your economic model. Um, the, the thing I think we're, we're getting at in some of these games is like we're looking at modern players and they, they just have – they have a different sensibility. And if it, like we like a lot of these things in games. And in a sense, like if you're going to do a game like this now, you almost have to like create a permission structure for people to get aggressive Mm -hmm. with with each other and this, and this isn't, isn't happening. And I, and like, people need to understand when they play Food Chain Magnate that like, no, 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 guys, this is a knife fight. This is an economic knife fight. So like you need to have that in your head because if you think you're just going to do your little economic engine and you're going to get paid $10 on your pizzas, you were wrong. Like you're you're (laughs) never going to sell those pizzas in this game. At least not playing
4: with us.
5: (laughs) Yeah, no, your
0: your first game ever a Food Chain Magnate, maybe you don't buy a pricing manager. Every game after that, you are it is a it is a race to the bottom
5: Tom <laughs> you yeah. well, remember you 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 Ben and I uh trotted out uh, roads and boats a couple of months ago yes and we, and that's an old school game that's an older school game, but like we started playing that, and if you remember, like we ended up kind of like having a conversation while we were playing it where we started the game and like you're building your little buildings and you're moving this and you're collecting resources and like i made an aggressive move to you against you really early on in the game right and the question was like oh is that the game we're playing because <laughs> because um, because I, because this, I said this is, this is this is the kind of game we're playing this is this kind of game
0: because I, I said like, quite well, okay, specifically well, I said quite specifically, I said I it was we
4: about donkeys
0: dude. no but we can play as fr- but that's the thing about about uh, roads and boats. We are allowed to play as friendly or as unfriendly as we want. we could because nobody owns anything except what's on your own little donkey right or your own little transports since we don't own anything, you could build the the, the quarry and I could build the stone cutter and then we can all use each other's buildings and all that sort of stuff or we can build roads that go into other people's places, throw up buildings walls over those roads so only i can use them and 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 cut each other we could do it whichever way you want and the speed at which you two went went pvp was it it warmed my heart it (laughs) such joy
5: just to get back to the point though like we ended up like you know having this sort of conversation like oh are we playing that way (laughs) you know like i think that's that's that does kind of point to like oh like maybe in a in a modern game like does it need to be explicit of like this is how you should play <laughs> because it's weird i think you know back to the origin of this discussion with Jennifer is like i think what she's objecting to is people are playing certain games a certain way that really doesn't suit the way they were designed for yeah. and wow. and you might even be put in the position of being like the bad guy as a player, right. when you play the game the way it's actually meant to be played.
4: Right, exactly. And and that's the whole thing. So you come in and you're teaching 18, like I taught Kansas, 18 Chesa- Chesapeake. And so, you know, we had we had our gloves on. And so she was able to avoid bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of went, went along. But we said, that's your only game like that. After this. Gloves off. Right. And you may very well go bankrupt because we just have, like, about 200 games on you. Right?
0: (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and I think that's I think that's a very good rule to have. Like like we're, we're gonna we're gonna play a, a a gloves on a mouthpiece in game the first the first time we're gonna show you what's possible so that you're you're ready. But know that the second time you play, it's probably gonna get a little bloody because even though you understand <laughs> things, it takes a while for that to take root and 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 for you to become competent at the blood sport that you are now entering. Right. Uh,
4: well- yeah. The, the other thing that's good, though, is that you show I show her it's a competitive game, even though we did have our gloves on. But we still train rushed, for example, right. which is why she had to sell stock to buy a train. Right. OK. Right. And so she can see. Oh, OK, so this is how this game really is to be played. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, For me, I think the the, the takeaway I have from this discussion is that what has sort of happened to a large extent, not, not to an entire extent, but to a large extent, is we have gone from being people that sit down to play a game and play against players to being a group of people that sit down around a table and play against the game. I think to some extent the reduction of PVP mechanisms in these games I'm trying to win I'm trying to be competitive but the main competition is being to able able to outthink the game instead of outthink the player to some degree and for me that is a that is a loss that is one of the reasons that I love Food Chain Magnate so much that I, I, I love the thing that, that, no, I'm not just, you know, the, the, the game is the game and it teaches, you know, it, it has its rules and I have to follow those rules. But the real thing is how do I beat you? How do I, right, how do I get a leg up on my competition? And my competition is not a mechanism. My competition is the other people and their infrastructure
5: and what they're doing. So, uh, I, I, and their
4: unpredictability.
5: Yeah. Unlike There could be a lot of pleasure in that, right? Oh, yeah. Like, and this. ultimately, there's going to be more pleasure in playing against other people than playing in the game, in my opinion. And I think that's me kind too. of what you're talking talking As a final thought. I'm sorry. For, as a final thought for me, and then we can get to you, Jennifer, I think what we're talking about here is a nice, almost like flip side to the conversation you had about gatekeeping. And, oh, yeah. uh, and keep, and keep and kind of like keeping people out. I think what, what we've almost identified here is maybe what I m- almost might call like a your Morpheus moment which is like <laughs> I think Jennifer what you were being in that game is like you were being a, a mentor and a guide to players to, to tell to teach them like how to really play this game and you're like, you know, don't try to hit me, you know, hit me in this game. Like this is, <laughs> this is the, the game we're playing. And like, that's a nice contrast to gatekeeping where you're you're actually like, you're now like guiding people through like how to play these more advanced or more challenging games in the way that they're they're meant to be played. That's gonna be, you know, more enjoyable for everyone. Ultimately, you're just helping them get there to where they need to be.
4: Right, that is the yeah. point. The other thing is though, is that when you win in a PVP game, that is a real win, right? You know, you won the, the diplomacy game. You won the advanced civ game. You had the only diesel in 1830. It, I mean, yeah.
0: that's... Sure, but at what cost? <laughs> at what cost? Yeah. Like, like,
4: Well, if we can all game as adults and understand that Even though we get sometimes emotionally involved in Food Chain Magnate or 1830, that at the end of the day, it's a game. We are all trying to challenge each other and trying to be our best player. And sometimes it doesn't work out, right? I mean, I don't ever win games. I don't even care. I just want to play. I want to play to win.
0: And that comes to knowing your group right i mean ben had played food chain magnet once in his life and last year came and sat down and played it for the second time in our shark tank and was absolutely utterly destroyed in the game just 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 viciously like every single product that he tried to market somebody was already undercutting him and the, and it was just it was vicious it was brutal and at the end of the game he was like that was the most humbling experience ever. I can't. <laughs> I can't wait to play it again. I can't wait to play it again. He right.
4: a, "See, that's because it's against people." Yes, and at, not well. And, and the I right got people, right? The most farmers, so I won, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think you're. I I think I'm glad you brought this up because there are. Uh, some some there are some schools of thought that thank goodness we don't do that anymore right that we've moved on to to this type of thing but there are there are wonderful joys in that older school sort of way of thinking and i'm glad there are games like food chain magnate that 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 have a really great blend of the two experiences because there are great things on each side of the fence
4: Right. right right yeah and then also everybody you play the game that you enjoy don't worry about us you don't have to play like us to have a good time we're just i'm just an old lady who likes you know to beat people up on the board that's all
0: <laughs> good for you
4: good for
0: <laughs> you all right uh Jennifer do you have time for one sommelier or do we need to end
4: i yeah, it turns out that my day was canceled, so we're, we're, we're all
0: good. Here we go. We're going to do One Game Sommelier, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with mama, Madame, my, mom, my, dad, my boo. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. With my 50th player of a Grigola, a million games. Show me the way to the master, the game sommelier. <laughs> All right, we got a little bit of a long one here from Todd Chavez. Here we go. He says, Hi, team. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank you so much, Todd. Uh, so much so that I'm currently in the process of going back and listening to all of your episodes. It's really funny to hear the intro without the music in round one. And you could just hear Alfred squirm at Tom's rendition. At my rendition? At my rendition? I have a feeling he's talking about Trey, but we'll see. Uh, with that preamble, here's the question. What do you think of... No.
5: <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure he i'm pretty said sure tom he knows what, i'm pretty let's sure let's see Sumi knows what he's talking about pretty sure uh what do you think mm. of
0: come on the, the, did you listen to that no. the, the buttery the yep. buttery sounds so todd said i know that forex has been discussed on the pod the term being problematic but the gameplay being satisfying i think alfred's the one who said that does replacing the words explore with extract remove that stigma or yucky feeling uh i think we should permanently change it to explore expand extract exterminate and by the way uh, extract is replacing uh exploit i believe is the previous term and in uh in that game in dead reckoning they have changed it to extract um does it say the same thing without the gross colonialist overtones
5: Interesting question, right? Is it, is, is it a matter? Doesn't
4: say anything.
5: He says undertones, by the way, but I think it they they are more overtones over overtones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so I mean, is forex it, itself it a problem? It doesn't
4: ahead, make Jack. any sense.
5: E- extract.
4: Exactly.
5: Um, well, I think extract is well. Like yeah. To answer this question, no, it doesn't change anything. Like if you're just going to change the words here, but the underlying mechanisms. Are still the same. It's not just that It's not like this is just some. To me, this is not just some like colonialist wrapper that is put on a game. It's that 4X has colonialist mechanisms underneath it, right? Well, well, and well,
4: but wait, but wait. So, okay, so we look at. Do you guys know Alan Emmerich?
0: I don't think so. Nope. Okay,
4: Alan has been in the L.A. board game scene even longer than I've been, and he is the one who coined the term. Okay, the term originally applied to video games like Civilization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it doesn't. If you're playing Civ, if it whether it be Civ One or the latest Civ Six, what are you expecting? That makes no sense.
5: What makes no sense? You're extracting. still objecting to the terminology. Yeah. To,
4: yeah. No, I mean, that's are the you thing. extracting blood it. from people? What the heck?
5: Right. right. Well, And also, like, he, did, he changed exploit to extract, but exterminate's still there.
4: Right! So what's the difference? There, know, is,
5: these... there isn't one. I yeah. mean, we were just and... talking about old school games. Like, we grew up on colonialism simulators. Yeah. Right. And, like, they're, they're fun. Like, and this is it's kind of like a problem is that these kind of like colonialist power fantasy games that we grew up on, you know, like it is a little bit in the board game DNA. And I think there's right to be a, a movement now to look at some of these underlying mecha- mechanisms of exactly. the games and assumptions and challenge them. Right, exactly. and and, and is I it just have
4: gonna... no issue with that? Like, but now, like you see a game like Anno eighteen hundred mm-hmm. or uh, Civilization. One of the reasons that I'm okay with them, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. I could be wrong, is that they treat each country the same. So in Civilization, if I'm France, I'm just as likely to be beating up Britain as I am. Um, Zimbabwe, it's all the same. Hmm, And so when you make it the same, right? Yeah, I'm exploiting Britain, right? I'm exploiting Scandinavia. I'm, you know? And so, you know, to narrow exploit down to, well, that's what colonists do, that is not a correct definition of that word.
5: Right, right. So it sounds I'm like it's still it's still power fantasy, though, like so many of the board are- games we do are is, is power fantasy in which we get to play right. kings or military rulers in which I'm conquering other civilizations, taking their stuff, killing their people like this is in the DNA of a lot of, of board games. And we, we probably should be rethinking that And like the game that's been super popular in the last Few years that kind of is a direct reaction to this, and we should be seeing more of it. Is a game like Spirit Island, right? Right.
0: Which which, uh, but that flips the script on it. And here's my question: yeah. if we dehistoricize it, does that make things better? If we what dehistoricize it
4: versus uh, well, yeah, right, right, and 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 so you always see this move toward fantasy, right? Yes. Because you know, even though the elves are always white. The good elves are <laughs> always white, right? And right. the dark elves are always bad, you know? But hey, it's all non-politicized.
0: Are you a drow so... apologist? Pardon? Are you a drow apologist? How dare Am you? Am
4: I a drow
5: apologist? The, 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 the I dark don't elves. Know. This is actually a really big issue in LARP. Like, the the blackface issue in LARP is a, is a real thing. Oh, yeah. And people, you know, what, what Jennifer's talking about is something that, you know, people are... Changing the way they, they costume because there is a lot of underlying bias in a lot of the, you know, assumptions about these kind of, again, like games that were designed in the 70s that like we really need to look at Dungeons and Dragons and its use of race as a core mechanism. There is a big, the there's a big big discussion on the ta- in the tabletop realm about exactly that,
0: right? There's a huge yeah. debate going on right now about race, racial characteristics and bias, uh, which is right.
4: tremendously interesting, right? Well, you know, I mean, as I've said, I think, on this podcast before, it's all about the context. Yes. It's all about the context. It's also about equal treatment. Okay, true, I mean, exploitation, as it's happening, let's say, today, is exploiting weaker people. Yes. But they're weaker not because of military stress or lack thereof. They're weaker because of racism. So if you come into, like I said, the original 4X games, which are Civ, Master of Orion, these types of games, then you go after the people because you see a weakness. You don't go after them because they're black. Uh-huh. And, and I think, for me, that makes a huge difference. Huh.
0: Interesting. Yeah, For me, I, I'm sort of of two minds on it, because on the one hand, by dehistoricizing it, like in Eclipse, I don't have any issue, right? Uh, uh, first of all, it's also very um, strategic level, right? It's very high level. The The more you get down into the nitty gritty, the more you realize, well, who is it that's you know who, it's, who is it that's harvesting that sugar cane for me what's exi- what what are we what are we not talking <laughs> exactly. about that's actually going on here right what are we what are we really role playing what are we really uh, doing as far as a story um, but by by liking eclipse am i really just liking the fact that it's whitewashing something right that really it we we are still playing the same game we are still exploring the exact same story and that story is 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 based on exploitation I don't know.
4: Right, but I don't know. See, I think... See, I'm not a theme person. So, to me, you, you have a coat of paint here, you have a coat of paint there. Right. So, what what coat of paint are we putting on this game? Okay. Well, we're going to make it a space game. Well, okay, that sounds good. Well, you know, but we could make it a fantasy game. We could do some abstracting of history and make it a history game. So... I don't get hung up on that kind of thing as much. Now, not to say that if you're going to be historical, I want to see some context.
0: Yes, exactly. 100 percent. 100 percent. So, yeah, if, if you're going to, and I think Imperial Struggle is, for me, has done that fairly well. That they right. are, they're de- they're dealing with a very they're dealing with a, a very touchy time in which there were uh, atrocities going on constantly, and they they presented it as history and they gave tremendous amount a whole book of uh, of details to understand the period so that we're not glorifying things that we're not we're...
4: right right or that we're not making them eurocentric even though. Imperial struggle is about European powers, but that's fine. Just make sure that in the game, you aren't pretending that something isn't going on. Something else isn't going on. 100%.
0: And in order to do that, I do think we need to get rid of the word the, the words 4X. I think that when the focus of the game, when the game is defined by explore, expand, exploit, you can call it extract all you want, it's still exploiting and exterminating, I think you're running into problems. I think that 4X is the lawn darts of our time. I think it needs to go. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, I don't, you know, to me, it's... It, Leave it in the video game world, where it frankly makes a lot more sense okay. than it does in the board game world. What can you explore? A board as big as your table. Woo! <laughs> you
0: see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 it yeah. yeah. makes sense. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, well, thank you, Todd, for that. Uh, that was a very uh, a, a thoughtful question. It was, it was interesting. It was an interesting discussion anyway. Um, uh, I just want to thank you guys both so much. Jennifer, it's always a, p- a pleasure to have you. And, and I like the fact that we have you uh, kind of up first for the last few rounds. I like you. You're, you're the uh, aperitif. You're the amuse-bouche of our, uh, of our group. You, She's you, the trailblazer. I know. I'm the the pioneer. pioneer sets the tone. I'm
4: the, uh, hey, I'm the appetizer for Demetrius Paul, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no. Please don't say that. I'm never going to hear the end of it. Never going to hear the end of it, Uh, ladies and gentlemen. We have a uh, we have a lot of social media. We have a YouTube channel, YouTube.com forward slash c forward slash Game Brain Pod. We have a rollicking Facebook group, a very active Discord channel. Please get in those Game Sommelier questions. We are running really low on Game Sommelier's. So if you want to keep hearing them, start throwing us some questions. We got answers for you. All right. And you've been listening to Game Brain. Produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You know him as Alfred on the show. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can also reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening, and go play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games.